Hey folks, it's Chris Tannehill from Lockdown White Sox. Join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully every day on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors, both past and present. Featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Lockdown MLB Network's team of local experts, and insightful analysis on the day's biggest stories. Lockdown MLB is the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And now, let's start the show. White Sox! White Sox! Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Eckerwall23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you want to participate, and we saw some people during the game sending voicemails to us, 312-566-8727 is the way you can do that. We encourage doing that. We encourage doing it right now. You're probably a little late on that regard, but if you are listening to tomorrow or this show, which is we're taping right now on Tuesday, Send in your uh, send in your post games conversation on Wednesday evening. We might get it to it when we do our post game wrap up tomorrow. So three one two five six six eight seven two seven or lockedonsocks at gmail dot com. Without any further ado, it's a great night. Chris, how are you doing? Well, got Bill Walton here in my basement. He's been hanging out with Jim Tomey. Uh, let's see what uh, Bill Walton's got to say about this one. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Dutch Turkle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. Uh, and shout out to the Twitter user who asked if the uh, the bridge being raised on Wacker was the Studs Turkle Bridge uh, to uh, put us uh, in the mention. It was not. Uh, the Studs Turkle Bridge is on Division Street, as Bill Walton says there. But uh, but thank you for listening. That's a little Chicago geography for you. Um, you know this one. You just you just hate to see the Twins falling apart uh, the way they did tonight. Uh, but in the in the the name of full transparency here, in terms of voicemails and emails ab- about a game. Uh, here's what we do. Right after that final out is recorded, Herb and I are sitting there on the Zoom call waiting for that final out to come in, and then we start the show immediately, and we post at midnight the following morning, and if you get your voicemail in, usually with... By 15, 20 minutes in, uh, you know, after the game ends, odds are you can have a good shot of getting it on the air because we don't screen them. We don't have a producer here. Um, you know, it is an interesting thing, like what happens when someone calls live, uh, which we experienced the other night, and I had to edit that we part just, out of it. I, I should have answered. Answer I didn't know what it was. Um, if it uh, happens today, answer <laughs> yeah, it live. That would be awesome. Absolutely, which really takes this thing to another level. But see, we just got a voicemail right now. Um, and it didn't ring. So, you know, I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, that's, if you want to get a voicemail on the show, call within 20 minutes of the game ending and we can get you on. It's like a real post game show in that regard. But, uh, White Sox are winners tonight over the Minnesota twins, uh, nine to three, the Sox improve their record 
on the season to 20-13, and 13, and they have an eight-game lead now over the Minnesota Twins, who are free-falling, baby, and uh, you certainly hate to see it. Uh, where should we begin tonight? I know the, the offense came through late, and if you listened to the show yesterday, you heard about the woes of the Twins' bullpen. There's plenty to talk about there, but where do we always begin, Herb, with the, with the pitching, the starting pitching exactly. uh, m- mainly here? Now, this was an interesting outing here for Dylan Cease tonight. Dylan Cease's final line ended up being five innings, five hits, three runs, all of them earned two walks, seven strikeouts, gives up the home run. Uh, Season ERA to 2.80 for Dylan Cease. But this was an odd outing. I was in the group chat with uh, Danny Parkins, Matt Spiegel, and Shane Reardon. Uh, Just, you know, they were tweeting uh, and texting about the Cubs game. The Cubs not doing any favors for our Southsiders last night and losing to Shane Bieber in a close game. But I said, you guys need to stop watching that bullshit because uh, Dylan Cease has his plus-plus stuff going after one inning in the book. So maybe that was <laughs> – I mean, am I was I wrong, though, to that point? No, That no. first inning where, you know, he, uh, he, he, he just, you know – he broke off a rise, and then he got uh, Nelson Cruz on that high fastball. I was like, ooh, Dylan Cease is not messing around tonight. Mm-hmm. And then he ran into some trouble uh, in that second inning. Um, you know, without getting too deep into it, you know, that there was that bad miscommunication there. I was really angry about it between Moncada and Grandal in that second inning. Uh, but just, you know, to, to paint the overall picture for Dylan Cease, you know, a, a tale of two games, or three games, I guess you could say, after the, the hot start in the first inning where he looked like he was going to be unhittable again. And then he ran into trouble in the middle innings for himself, and he didn't get much help from his defense. But, again, things were not perfect for Dylan Cease, and things began to unravel a little bit. But to his credit, he was able to close out strong and, uh, and get through five, which I think was huge uh, in that fifth inning there. He gives off the leadoff single to Arise, then strikes out Donaldson. Uh, Cruz gets the single, and then uh, Kepler grounds into the force out, and then Dylan's able to get the strikeout to Polanco after narrowly escaping what would have been a two-run go-ahead double. That fifth inning right there was the moment of truth for season. Instead of dwelling on the negative in the middle of that game, he was able to figure things out and finish strong, which was a huge, huge big step for Dylan Cease in his uh, development here. I think all White Sox fans can realize that Dylan Cease in the past would have crumbled, especially in that second inning. Guy's not making the plays around him. Then he hits the what a roll belt with the bases loaded. That would have started something that would have Oof. had him out of the game in, either right there in the second inning or the third inning, which was a challenge for him, but he got out unscathed there. First inning, like you said, filthy. Fourth inning also, filthy, just that guy is in Dylan Cease. And when you, the same thing you saw and you're texting the guys, this is the same thing I saw and all these White Sox fans saw. And like, all right, he, he's continuing to do that filthy stuff that he's done in the last two starts. And this is impressive, though. He is maturing. He didn't have his command of the fastball. The Polanco home run, as Stoney and Benetti pointed out, was supposed to be a high-rising fastball, but he got it down into his sweet spot, like at the bottom of the strike zone, and Polanco deposited. He's hot right now. He's really hot, and he's a good player from a couple years ago. So I expect those balls to go out when you have a good hitter that's centering in on a fastball down and low. But for the most part, I think this 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 is exactly what I expect from Dylan Cease for the rest of the season. I said it. Five innings, three earned or less, and we're good. 
give it to the bullpen. And that's what happened. He wouldn't have his premium stuff, but he battled through for his team and his team battled through for him after giving up those three runs in the second inning. They got right back at it. Absolutely. And, you know, in the third inning, he got hit in the butt. What, what? I said in the butt. Um, what, what? And he bounced back nicely. The thing with Dylan Cease, you know, he's still, I, I hate to say this, but there's so many, he's still learning at the major league yeah. level. There's so many different tiers of, of pitching. I remember uh, the late great Ed Farmer used to talk about, you know, there's most of the time you, you go out there in, and, you know, you don't have your, your best stuff and you're trying to figure out how to pitch. Like, you know, there's like, you know, a third of the time you got good stuff. Third of the time, uh, you, you've got bad stuff, and you know, a third of the time is what your average stuff is. So you have to figure out how to how to pitch there in, in the middle. A lot of the times, I believe I'm paraphrasing, but the moral of the story is there's going to be more often times than not that you're not going to have your plus plus stuff. So Dylan Cease is figuring out how to pitch major league hitters uh, for the first part of his career, and then finally he hits a sweet spot here for a couple weeks where he's got his plus plus stuff and he's cruising and is dominant. But then what happens when you have to figure out how to navigate yourself through a ball game when you have your plus stuff early and then you lose it? That's something that he has never experienced before, I don't believe, at the big league level. So to his credit, he was able to find it later on in that game and, and keep his uh, team involved and give them a chance to win the game at just uh, three runs and you know escaping out of some big-time situations there. So tip of the cap to Dylan Cease tonight. But... Game ball goes to this bullpen tonight, who, who held the Twins there at three runs. Um, you know, that sixth inning, Matt Foster comes in, and he hasn't been stellar early on this season. You know, I, I thought we were going to talk about more bullpen blunders from Tony La Russa tonight, you know, punching the wrong buttons, because I have not been a Matt Foster fan this year. I don't know what's going on with them. The changeup has not been as effective as it was last season. Didn't love him in that spot, full disclosure, just, you know, guessing, you know, the first-hand guessing, not second-guessing. Um, I would have liked Evan Marshall there, possibly, but either way, Gives up the double to Astadio and then the single, and then Garrett Crochet comes in. We hadn't seen Garrett and Crochet in over two weeks. Uh, gets mm -hmm. Garver to fly out, which was big because, you know, Garver, as we mentioned on yesterday's show, has been a big force of power production for the Twins this year. So he's able to get the right-handed hitter to, to fly out, which was huge. And then in the biggest situation of the night up to that point, uh, and I believe Jason and uh, Steve Stone talked about it after the game, but it was also in my notes. So with two runners on, Crochet has uh, a, a rise at the plate, and he just aces him with that slider on the outside corner. And it's good to have Garrett Crochet back, man. And, you know, Tony using him in that spot uh, to get out of the inning was huge right there. And Garrett Crochet was just filthy, uh, acing a very good contact hitter uh, in a rise to end that inning. Yeah, he showed up as the guy that we expected to show up this year. Um, little injury problem he had, and that's why we haven't seen him in a long time. And when he came off the IL, they just didn't use him and just didn't have spots to use him. This was a good job by Tony and great job by Garrett to get his first rear of his first win of his major league career. I just looked that up and I was like, wow, he only he didn't win anything last year. But you know, wins and losses don't matter to us, but. I'm sure to him, I'm sure he's going to beer shower right now in the clubhouse. So congratulations to him because he did the damn thing for the White Sox. I was mildly surprised that he only did that two thirds of an inning. I understand he's been out for 16 days, but he only pitched like eight pitches. I would have liked to see him come out for the seventh inning there, but whatever. 
it worked yeah, out. Yeah, that's your plus stuff, high leverage guy. If he's going right and it seems like he's back and, and, and looking good again, I, I think maybe the logic there is, you know, Tony wants to give the next guy a clean inning, which is great, and also hey, maybe we, save. We talked about it earlier. Yeah, yeah, and maybe save crochet because they've they've got a lot of games coming up here, as they talked about during the broadcast as well. Uh, they've had the all these off days and they haven't really had to use any of their guys in the bullpen, so they are fresh, uh, but they're going to get a lot of work here. Uh, you know, over the next couple weeks or so. So, and then the bullpen rest of the way, Hoyer comes in and uh, he, he's replaced by. He's not here th- this year. I don't know what's going on. Like early, he was great. Lately, it's not there. Well, it's just so you know, he looked good, and then you know he looked he had that changeup going, which is always a good sign for him. But then just you know he just he can't put it all together, you know. So I I don't know what's going on with him, but this happens over the course of a year with bullpens. I think like guys have it, then they lose it, and it's cold out there, so they don't necessarily have a feel for all their pitches, I think. so. And it, this is both of their sophomore years, Hoyers and Fosters, so yeah. maybe a little everybody's adjusting back to what they are bringing to the table, and maybe they're not you know, adjusting back to the major league hitters as yet. Yeah, but and then high ERAs right now, but I have faith in Cody Horace specifically. Matt Foster. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man, uh, about Matt Foster. We're both equally concerned, I believe. Um, I think his, his stuff is just more hittable uh, than Hoyer's is. Um, so then Aaron Bummer comes in. He's not a guy. He's not a sophomore. Uh, he's a, a known commodity in this league, and he's finally starting to come back into form. He's been real good of late. He comes on in, and uh, Nikki Two Strikes uh, gives, <laughs> gives the, the, the Twins additional out there in the inning. And then what does Bummer do? He, he shuts the door immediately after one pitch later and leaves the bases loaded uh, with Astudio getting the final out of that inning. So, uh, you know, tip of the cap to the bullpen. Ruiz coming out and finishing that one. And uh, it was a solid night from the pitching staff. And what could be, a, you know, we, we saw this early on. It could be a wonky night out there. Uh, I thought it was going to be a back-and-forth all-night type of thing. But, no, uh, the White Sox offense got it done. And we'll get to them after a quick timeout here on Locked on Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our new friends at Sports Trade. Have you guys heard about Sports Trade? You no, know, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. Finally, it's a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports, and they just added baseball to the platform. So check out Sports Trade today. Making money with Sports Trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points of the game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, Good old supply and demand, baby. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. Starting to see how this works here a little bit? When you're ready to buy shares, you pick the penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you'd like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com and watch the How It Works video and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun and exciting and profitable new world of sports trading. Sports trade. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sportstrade.com. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar 
ever. Guess what, friends? I've got another health update for you guys. I mentioned that I started eliminating unnecessary sugar from my diet, working out a little bit more, but most of all, getting rid of those unhealthy snacks that I tended to overindulge in at times. And I can tell you that about two and a half months into this lifestyle change, I am down about 15 pounds now. And I got to tell you, I don't know if I could have done it without Built Bar. I'm going to keep going, folks, because I, I'm loving the way I'm feeling. I have a new routine. I don't even miss those sugary snacks and soda and all the other stuff that I used to eat all the time because I have Built Bars. I order them in bulk, basically, whenever I order them, so I never run out. Uh, I have one for an afternoon snack and one after dinner to get rid of my sweet cravings, and they've done wonders for me. They've totally eliminated my my cravings for sugar, but they still taste delicious. That's the best part. See, this stuff doesn't work if Built Bars don't taste awesome, and they do. You know, you have some of these other protein bars out in the market, and they don't taste as good, and they're pumped with sugar a lot of times, but Built Bar, that's not the case. Low sugar, low carb, high protein, and always covered in 100% chocolate. I can tell you that my new favorite flavor for the time being is coconut brownie chunk. I've got it right here in front of me. It's only 150 calories, but it's packing a whopping 15 grams of protein in this bad boy, okay? And it's just delicious chocolate coconut brownie chunk. But if you want to get yourself a coconut brownie chunk, Go to BuiltBar.com now because these things go fast. Whenever I get an email saying that we have this flavor back in stock, I'm there immediately. And whenever I'm at BuiltBar.com, I'm making sure I put in our promo code LOCKED15. That's going to get you 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Do what I did. Go to BuiltBar.com. Order yourself up a flavor. Sprinkle in a new flavor that you haven't tried. You never know what your favorite flavor could be unless you try it. BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15. BuiltBar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I mentioned the offense tonight, Herb, uh, came through. You know, the, they get the big three-run blast early from Yasmani Grandal. And, of course, White Sox Twitter loves to fight about stuff even when things are going well. You know, uh, the, the, all of a sudden there's like this narrative, uh, this John Strawman argument of the the Sox fan who doesn't want Yasmani Grandal to swing at strikes in the zone. Like, this is not a thing. We want Yasmani oh. Grandal to hit home runs and be the player that he had been for his entire career. And we just, we again... I, you know, when we do five shows a week, it gives us the opportunity to talk about these things before they happen. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. But in this case, we I don't think it was either. It was just framing this discussion about Grandal where he knew he wasn't right at the plate. He got himself right by seeing a ton of pitches, and finally he got one in the zone that he could crush, and he did that. But this whole narrative of like, oh yeah, you know, uh, Yasmani Grandal sucks when he's when he's walking and getting on base a ton. No, it's the, the the truth is always somewhere in between. We want him to be a productive power hitter, especially with the absence of Robert and Eloy, and he showed up tonight, man. And you not, you see now what a week of just seeing a lot of pitches can do to you and do for you if you're a professional hitter out there. It was good to see that three run homer from Grandal early yeah he looked that one deep in he knew he got it he didn't do the as dramatic and as uh bombastic bat drop as yeah. he usually does but I saw it and I was like okay he got it he yep. he understands when he when he puts that ball together because it this year it's happened so rarely but he knows that he clicked on that one so it's good to see and this is he knows his process these are major league baseball players he's in his mid-30s now he knows how he can hit and how he can contribute and when he's locked in 
and that seeing that ball that deep and then taking a pitcher who's been struggling this year, but up to that point, I mean, he was looking decent um, in Maeda, and he murdered that ball. Just absolutely killed it. It's good to see, and he struck out a couple times, but I think that Yasmani thinks he knows the strike zone better than he umps do. Sometimes he does. (laughs) And he might, but they're giving giving the pitchers the the call third on him. It reminds me of the 2018 uh, uh, Yohan Mancata where he was like, hey, those are not strikes. And it turned out to be he was correct, but you know, until we get robot ups, you got to be swinging at those two strike uh, or two uh, strike pitches like my man, Jeremy Mercedes. And we'll get to that motherfucker in a second. God damn. Not um, money. Excellent. And walking. I, hey, if this is what happens where he hits an occasional ball hard and then he gets on 37% of the time. God bless. <laughs> so you mentioned Moncada, you know, the sixth inning, um, Maeda exits and in comes the twins bullpen obviously and i saw a longtime veteran minnesota scribe jim suhan wondering why the hell they pulled maeda so early especially after you know again you compare him with what dylan sees did maeda didn't have it early and then he found it late in the game and, and shut the door on the white Sox offense when we thought that you would be uh it would be a lot more explosive so enter the twins bullpen they've been having their problems moncada draws the walk and then Jose Abreu comes through with the two-run bomb, making it 5-3. to three. And look out, man. Jose Abreu starting to feel it a little bit. We need this so bad. And in these interdivisional matchups with the with Cleveland and Minnesota and the White Sox, you know, it's, it's a lot of the times your power hitters, your big-time players make the difference in these situations. We've seen it so often on the other side with Nelson Cruz. And now we see it tonight with Jose Abreu. Just a great job by him getting that slider and crushing it uh, off a, a Surprising matchup, like that guy that came in for the Twins uh, in the six had pretty good numbers against righties, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I, what's what's going on here?" Like, I thought this Twins bullpen was bad. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this being the first time we had seen uh, the Twins this year, and then uh, Jorge Alcala was the guy, and you know, Jose takes him deep, so that was a nice job there, and it didn't stop. Uh, after that, um, the Sox able to pour it on in the bottom of the seventh. Andrew Vaughn draws a walk. Uh, Leary bunted, and I didn't hate it, just as you were tweeting how much you hated it. Um, it at that point, you're up two runs. So any creative way, uh, you know, when you're not getting a ton of power from your offense, generally speaking, I know Jose Brady just had the home run before that, but whenever you can, I get it. You want Hamilton to steal second, then you yes. bunt him to third. It was kind of an odd way to do or it. Just hit a, hit a, hit the ball away like he did later in the game. He's a. I know there was a Theo Bars in the game, so he's batting right handed, but he can put the ball on the ground as he usually does. Yeah, and I just I just want to either productive out him trying to do something instead of just uh, surrendering right now. Yeah, you know, and Leury has been struggling. It was good to see him come through late in that game with the RBI single, but he's been struggling this year, and every time I see him up there at this point, I'm like, oh, we got to do better than that, man. You know, but it just maybe We had a chance. We had a chance. The Cubs got our guy. Trace Thompson is going to the Cubs. Oh, man. Well, he's a 30 uh, home run potential guy, as Hawk once said. Um, I did not see that. That's good stuff. So that means he's it's, going to the minor leagues. So is, is Clay going to tear up the Sox jersey? Remember, Clay Thompson was rocking the Sox jersey on the uh, on the, on the the uh, yeah. sidelines a couple weeks ago. So I don't know. He what's better. He's, 
He probably, he probably still knows that that's the sharper look. It is, yeah. Um, so in bottom of the seventh inning, again, another thing we talked about a couple weeks ago with Tim Anderson, right? Mm. They're going away, away, away on TA, and TA just kept serving into right field, even got that grand slam opposite field against the Indians. You keep going away, away, away. TA's going to adjust, and he knows eventually you're going to start coming in on him when you can't get him out by uh, by pitching him away. And what does he do? With two outs, he turns on that slider on the inside and he gets that RBI single, which was huge at that point, and then things started to unravel for the Twins. But, you know, every time the Sox win, we're saying some great things about T.A., but it just goes to show you that the, the next step that he's taken in being an upper echelon professional hitter in this league, is just it never ceases to amaze me, especially when you think about how his career started and, and what the significance of him being a positional player selected in the first round uh, by the White Sox, you know, just how far he's come. But just that at bat right there just goes to show you, man, like you cannot smart T.A. out there, man. No, uh, and he did one of the things that I've been harping on the White Sox struggling early in the season. He hit, went, runners in scoring position, two out of three for today. The White Sox is a team, five out of 11. That is supreme. That is better than I would ever expect. All I want is, you know, a good effort. And if we're looking at an actual number, maybe 300 would be a a nice number to hit with runners in scoring position, but that's a little high itself. But TA, yeah, like you were talking about, he is a complete hitter. And it's like you're stony. You're like, they're going to continue to go outside, 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 but they're going to have to bring it inside. And Tammy's going to make them pay for it. And he did. And once he starts hitting those balls to left center and out of the ballpark, oh, he's going to really make these guys pay for it. And it's coming, guys. If he's got opposite field power, which that Grand Slam shows, he's going to be hitting 20, 25 home runs in his major league career consistently. The guy has turned himself into a player that I don't think any of us foresaw. This is going to be Tim Anderson. Like, if you, tr- I don't. I don't please show me receipts. <laughs> I don't think anybody thought Tim Anderson was going to be this complete of a player. He is so damn good. Yeah, we all thought Kenny took another toolsy athlete there uh, when they drafted him, you know, and a former basketball player, but now look at him, man. It's just it's amazing. And you know, he had a couple of shaky at bats early on in that game, but then he comes through when it matters the most. And Adam Eaton chipping in, adding the RPI double uh, with the error from Polanco, which was just a disaster out there. They're falling <laughs> around each other, like you know, it, they look like they were drunk they out like there. Us, yeah, well, like we usually play versus twins. Yeah, it was, it was great. great. Yeah, you hate to see it. Absolutely, uh, that made it seven to three. And uh, you know, the Sox are just spitting in the face of the Babip gods, man. Like uh, you know, we talked about these Babip numbers, and sometimes they. they it can be concerning, but I, I tend to err on the side of yeah. You're just you're figuring out different ways to win without the long ball, and they, these balls just keep finding holes out there. I know it's not going to last this way forever, and hopefully it coincides with the weather warming up and the in the ball leaving the ballpark a little bit more. But then again, the Sox did get two huge home runs tonight. They were the difference in the game: five runs, the three run shot from Grandal, and the two run shot from Abreu. That's the difference in the game right there. But from the tack on runs late in the game, uh, all finding holes late was huge. And of course, uh, I set you up here for your man. And uh, you're mean, Herbie. I mean, it, it still surprises me every time that he got, gets like two hits in a game, multiple hits in a game. That last hit he got where he's just following that ball, two strikes, and he just serves it over the second baseman's head. I'm like, that's just a professional hitter, guys. That's just a professional hitter. And we got that guy. 
and we had him in our minor league system for the last couple of years for some damn reason. <laughs> but right now he is slashing 381, 420, and uh, 600 uh, slugging. Like uh, he, he is a top level major league hitter right now. Yep. I know it's only what 31 games or 33 games, but damn it, this is great. This is great to see that this rookie might be our best hitter out there. Might be one of the best hitters in the American League. I now it's starting. To, I'm starting to think like, man, what's going to happen when Eloy comes back? But uh, I hope we're in a position at that point where we're like, I hope it's one of them good problems there, uh, Marlo Stanfield. Um, but before we uh, take a break here, I'm on a mission for dime pieces and sexy ladies. Allow me to introduce you to my. You're being Mercedes. So uh, we'll take a quick time out here, and on the other side, we'll hear some of your vo- voicemails on this victorious edition of Locked On White Sox. All right, Herbie, let's check out some of these voicemails following a 9-3 to White Sox victory over the division rival Minnesota Twins. The Twins are now eight games back of the White Sox. Let's see what these uh, people are talking about here tonight. This one came in uh, around 9 o'clock. Let's see what Jason from DeKalb had to say about this one before it was even over. I'm trying to remember what happened at this point in the ball game, uh, just off the top of my head, but let's let Jason tell it. Hi, this is Jason from DeKalb. Um, I'm not the biggest Tony LaRusso fan, uh, whether it be his managing or abhorrent thoughts on life, but tonight I gotta give him this. You know, in the age of bullpenning, he let Dylan Cease work through some issues to get through five innings, and while he didn't have his best stuff early, let him kinda get through some stuff and at least give the Sox five innings before they needed to go to the bullpen. Uh, love the show, guys, and, uh, yeah, keep it up. Thanks. Yeah, it's a good Thanks, point. Jason. It's a good point there. Thank you, Jason. You know, I wonder if it was just more so out of necessity with, with Tony and not wanting to go to the bullpen early because he knows, you know, full well that they've got a lot of games coming up. But whether it was – I didn't get to see his, his post-game comments, but whether it was – letting him work through it or just out of necessity didn't want to go to the bullpen too early in a three-game series with your division rival and then more coming with the Royals at the end of the week. Uh, Whatever it was, it worked out, and I'm glad. Whether it was an an intended consequence or not, I was certainly glad that Dylan was left to to be out there because, frankly, he's earned that right to stay out there with his performance the past couple weeks. Yeah, exactly, and it's good to have. And like Stoney said on the Lawrence Holmes show a couple days ago or actually last week, that Tony will learn these players and he'll manage accordingly. And we were talking about Matt Foster and during the broadcast, they're talking about Matt Foster in Seattle. Tony realized he led him in way too long and everybody was screaming that that day. And today Matt Foster gives up a couple hits and Tony's like, that's it. I'm out. You you can't ruin this game for us. We put you in and you said it. you would have wanted every Marshall in that spot. Tony gave him another chance to redeem himself in, a, I think, a high leverage spot in the sixth inning. It was a clean inning. Finally, he gives Matt Foster one of those, but ultimately he failed. But Tony pulled and yanked him quicker than he would have in the in the fat in the past. But now Tony's learning other things about other people. So, OK, let's see what Lurie can do. Let's see what uh, Billy Hamilton can do. Okay. You get on Vaughn. I'm going to put Billy Hamilton in this situation instead of him having him with a, a bat in a high leverage situation in the ninth or 10th inning. These things are starting to come to Tony where baseball is uh, returning to his brain. I know it's been a long time. He's clearing out the cobwebs and such, but 
he's finally figuring out how to use these players and put them in the best positions possible. And I don't think any White Sox fan has had any problems, or if they're if they're any, they're minor with what Tony's done since the blunders he did. Where was it in Cincinnati? Uh, yeah, the last game. Yes. In Cincinnati. So yeah. He's pick a been, pick a city. Uh, Tony's made a blunder in it. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been all right in those games and. As our guy Jason says, and go out and get you some pizza pros, Jason, for me, because I want some of those uh, cheese nuggets. Delicious. Uh, but, yeah, Tony has done a great job, and I'll put those in quotes, of managing this team and doing a little bit more of trust, especially with Dylan Cease, and he earned it. All right, let's check in and uh, see who we got next here on the voicemail. Gentlemen, it's uh, Josh from Ohio. You know, it's nice to be able to see the long ball come into play. You know, hopefully these bats are going to, you know, start heating up as the uh, the year gets along. Um, it's good to see, you know, Grandal is, is one of those guys hitting home runs, you know, instead of just walking all the time. You know, I think we're all okay with him walking, um, you know, more than uh, Javi Baez is striking out. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I want to get your guys' opinion on uh, the uh, you know, Chris and uh, – or uh, Benetti and – excuse me, yeah, Benetti and uh, – and Steve Stone, we're talking about uh, moving the mound back and the changes that need to be made to MLB make it more exciting. I wanted to know what your guys' opinion um, is on that, either mound, mound back or robot umpires or something to make it easier on hitters. Um, love the show. Thanks, guys. Bye. Moving the mound back, Herb, uh, as not, not one I expected to come in tonight, uh, but what do we think about that? Maybe we, maybe we save expanded thoughts for a later a show, but we have no off days in the future for the Sox, so might as well handle it now. What do you think about these proposed rules changes because our commissioner hates our game? Uh, I know they're not for me because I'm already in the game, so they're making it for people who are not watching baseball right now, so more offense. I'm fine with them experimenting down in the lower levels. See if it works. If it doesn't, you throw that away and try something else. I'm fine with that. But as a major league thing, no, I'm not cool with moving the mound back, lowering the mound, doing anything drastic like that. Expanding the uh, bases to a larger size like they're doing in AAA, I don't think that hurts anybody. It gives the player who's running to first a little bit more uh base a little bit more real estate i would want to go more in the softball way where you have like a longer base that's out of bounds so you don't even have that interference rule at first base those type of rules where it's not hurting anybody not giving an advantage necessarily i mean i guess you could say a bigger base means you get to the the base a little quicker because first base and second base are a little bit slightly closer to each other because the bases are expanded but you could just push them back a little bit further so they're the same amount of distance those type of things where it doesn't hurt or have advantage to a certain part, I'm good with. I'm good with changing the game to bring in more eyes, but I'm not good with changing the fundamentals of the game and the basic elements of the game that change everything. Like moving the mound back a whole foot would change a lot of things. Offense would explode a little bit more. And these pitchers, I think arms would be affected because they've been pitching from 60 feet six inches their whole life yes. in their in their professional career and then going to 61 like that's a big difference their arms we're already seeing arms fall off at a, a alarming rate right now i wouldn't want to have it more just if 
this goes in cycles. Don't worry if the pitchers are too strong right now. Hitters are going to find a way either through legal means or not <laughs> to get back to hitting the ball. And if major leagues bring back that ball they had the last couple of years, they're going to get their offense they want. I'm fine with doing that, too, if they want to bring back a juice ball. But moving the bases back, that's that's garbage. Or yeah. moving the uh, mound back, that's garbage. Yeah, I, I don't like moving the mound back at all because you say beginning at, at the lower levels, but what happens when the guy goes to the next level? Or what happens if they fail at the lower level, then they're out of baseball because of this rule change that they haven't had to deal with their entire life. Like, I don't like that at all. Uh, maybe you know shaving the mound down a little bit. Um, keeping the same distance, but maybe making it a little more of an even playing field. Uh, that way, you know, that you're seeing so many strikeouts with that high fastball. That's the name of the game these days. So maybe you don't see that as much. Maybe the high fastball becomes a fastball that's letter high. And you see those get, you know, you know, jacked out of the park a little bit more. And, you know, that that becomes the equalizer there. I, I'd start there before I start moving things back or moving bases around. Like, that's that that's silly, man. It's uh, It's been the skate way in the game forever. And I don't think it should change. Uh, next one here, uh, before we wrap it up here. Uh, it's coming in. It's Craig. Craig. Boys, it's Craig from McHenry. Love you. Love the show. What's up, Craig? <laughs> Hate to be that guy, but Jose Abreu did not look too good coming off the field at the end of that game. Um, hopefully, that hit by pitch didn't uh, didn't uh, leave a big wealth that's going to knock him out for a few days. Uh, otherwise, great game, man. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. Love the show. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate you. Uh, paint a picture, Herb. I saw you tweet about that, I believe, about the Abreu, uh, yeah. the, sort of him looking not not 100% there. I was uh, getting my coffee ready for tomorrow morning and doing the things around here, setting up the show. So I, I turned away for a second, and I missed that. So what happened for the folks who may have turned away as I did in this uh, route? Well, it looked like Caleb Fieldbar, the pitcher, threw a slider that hit his back knee, Jose Abreu's back knee. Jose goes to first. And then he somehow gets the second. I forgot how, but then there's a, a ball hit in the infield and the guy on uh, the second baseman can't complete the double play because it's Billy Hamilton running the first. And so he throws behind Jose Abreu, who's going to third, and he's just slowly trotting in. And I'm thinking that's from the Caleb Fielbar slider that hit him in the knee. And that's probably what happened. Um, it looked like innocent enough it's a slider it's probably like high 80s but it probably hit him in a nice spot where he going home on the next uh play i think it was larry garcia hit a ball through the infield and to score jose abreu he barely made the home he was just a uh, hitch in his giddy up he was just like limping and dragging one of his feet i don't know which one it was and so it had to be his right leg he was just dragging that to the dugout not looking great so I was like, ah, let's get a, a full rest for him. We don't need him for these Minnesota games. I mean, we'd love to have him. No, tonight was a big one. Having having one last night was a big one. First yeah, game in the series, yeah. And I asked the folks, like, should we rest him tomorrow? Or should we just be going out for th throat stumping? Should we just be like, all right, <laughs> we got our guy hose in here. We're, he's feeling all right. We shot him up. Fuck you, Minnesota. <laughs> the, thing. the possibilities is, is certainly alluring of having the Twins be 10 games back uh, when they get out of town here in two days. That would be a three-game sweep and putting them 10 only, games back. The only problem I see is that you sit Jose. There's still a doubleheader on Friday yeah. versus the uh, Kansas City Royals. And so there's really no rest here unless you're going to put them on the I.L., 
a day. I don't know. Maybe the day game versus the Twins, the one ten start versus the Twins. You give them below on that one, and you maybe you sit him also on the first game of the Kansas City game, and so he's ready for the night game versus the Royals on Friday night. Maybe they that can. Be, maybe they can sign perfect situation. Maybe they can sign Albert Pujols. Jesus Christ! No. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll Stay on the wall, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the show next here on Locked On White Sox. Locked On White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. There's so many things you could bet on each and every day at BetOnline.ag. It's got all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and even your UFC MMA action. Looking to make a play on this big Chicago-Minnesota series coming up? Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest news and odds, and you can sign up for bonuses and contest information. If you're someone who likes to play the Dow, you can bet on what the final digit of the Dow is going to be each and every day, okay? When I tell you they have everything, they have everything. I'm also looking at the hot dog eating contest this year. Joey chestnut right now the over under set at 74 and a half hot dogs for joey chestnut for wednesday june 30th 2021 the hot dog eating contest for this year you want to bet on the new york lottery you can do that you can bet on whether or not the number is going to be odd or even i'm telling you they've got all your betting needs covered here at bet online so don't sit on the sidelines anymore this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts and don't forget our promo code locked on at bet online that's promo code locked on for your 50 percent welcome bonus all right that does it for us today folks if you're listening i'm sure your your morning coffee tastes a lot better the sun is uh brighter after that victory over the twins last night nine to three on the south side the white Sox maintaining their one game lead over Cleveland who beat the Cubs and the White Sox now improve their record to 20 and 13 eight games ahead of the Minnesota Twins so everything will be a little bit better you have a little pep in your step before this game tonight Uh, game two which of course pitching matchup in game two of this three game set is going to be Jay Happ who's having a really good year, 2-0 with a 1-9-1 earned run average versus Dallas Keuchel. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll break this one down and we'll have the recap posted at midnight tomorrow morning, provided that game is not still going on. But uh, early predictions for tonight's ball game, Herb, Hap versus Keuchel. Pain. And pain for Mr. Hap. Yeah, Keuchel's been going going well, and Hap is a lefty who is looks like he's due, to, to be honest with you. Um, a lefty going against the White Sox, you know, Mike Miner's the only one that had that privilege. So, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, especially the way the Sox are hitting right now. And with, with Keuchel out there and, you know, getting weak contact with these aggressive hitters, um, I, I like the Sox chances uh, tonight. So we'll, we'll have the recap, uh, and uh, that's all I got tonight, Herb. That is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter, and the show is at Locked On Socks, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go there and subscribe. You can win a Locked On Socks prize pack if we reach our next goal. So tell your friends, too. 312-566-8727 is the way you can leave a message or LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. And before I leave... Did you know the White Sox had the highest run differential in the game? Still? 
but but they had like a, but they had a narrow margin uh, of uh, of being in first place with that. They were only leading the league by like ten or twelve runs. How could that yeah. be? <laughs> now it's twenty three. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it was even greater than uh, than my exaggerated mind led to believe. Yeah, yeah. so They're crushing the ball. They're crushing the ball and not letting a lot of people score. So it's good to have change, change combination, changing the game. I am not worried, man. I again, I would love to see more more long balls, but the fact that they're not relying on them. I think that's only a good thing, you know. I'm just, uh, I'm really just thrilled with where this team is right now at 20 and 13, playing pretty good baseball, and things are starting to fall into place a little bit. And they've overcome the injuries so far, and hopefully there's some reinforcements on the way uh, in that outfield. So you know, we'll, we'll see how this thing plays out. But it's certainly aesthetically pleasing, and taking one against the uh, Minnesota Twins is always good. Anyone who grew up in our era of the Piranhas and uh, and you know just knows that. These Twins games, they just they just hit different. And when the Sox beat the Twins, it feels different and it feels good. So uh, very pleased at this point. But we'll be back tomorrow with the wrap-up. And uh, we thank you guys for listening. iTunes seems to have been uh, fixed. Mm-hmm. We had someone checking in this morning from Saudi Arabia saying, hey, iTunes in Saudi Arabia is looking good. You guys are up there. And then I checked the uh, the iTunes feed here in America, and uh, everything looked good. So thank you guys for your patience throughout all this. And our numbers didn't suffer too much without having the, uh, the automatic updates on iTunes, so thank you, everybody. Yeah, my guy Willie P told me is working out there. He's out there in the uh, Southern California area. So thank you, Willie. Thank you for all you people listening on every platform. This has been a great episode. I mean, not the episode, but we're feeling. Great. I thought we were pretty good. I'm decent <laughs> of locked on socks. <laughs>